0: This is a word that somebody gave to me that said while they were driving yesterday, uh, the spirit says, today's service will be dynamic. Hallelujah. Continue to hear his voice, seek his face. The hungry are coming. Amen. Glory to God. Now, Do you believe that? Man, we're seeing it every day. The hungry are coming. Amen. All right, I want you to share that real quick, what you shared. Uh, whatever I just read
1: (laughs) so as we were singing and and we sang the line I have to have you I heard the Lord say I the Lord have to have you I have to have you I have to have you and after that's his heart now I saw the edge of a cliff and it looked down over a beach and on the beach the tide was coming in and waves were thrashing against the shore but where I was standing on the cliff was too far up to even hear the waves I could see it but I couldn't even hear it I was too far up before me on the cliff was a pathway making it easy to walk right up and I heard the Lord say I yearn for my people But I'm above where they've been there's a higher place where they'll find me but they must come to me they must come up higher
0: we've got to go higher when we realize how big God is and how high he is we can't just sit still see we've been sitting still as as a church in America we've been sitting still we've not we've not been yearning for him we've not been hungering for him we've been sitting still well, it's time not to do that anymore. It's time where the, you know, the rubber meets the road. It's time to put up or shut up. It's time to go after Him. It's time to be believers. It's time to be who God's called us to be. When souls make disciples, it's time to go after Him. Amen? It's time to see Him for who He is. He's not just this God. like this healing is great, but this, this is easy stuff for Him to do. This is easy stuff for Him yeah. to do. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. He wants us to go into a glory, the fullness of who he is. In Ephesians 1, it says an uh, an administration suitable to the fullness of God is what it's talking about. It says the fullness of times. And it says in those times, if you look at and you study it out, he's talking about an administration suitable, a time suitable to the fullness of God. Can you imagine what would happen right now if God bust open those doors and walks into this room? Yeah. None of us would be sitting here. We'd all be like, Bleh. you know, we'd be out, right? Because just the power of God, you know? We wouldn't be sitting there like, oh, yeah, well, look, there's God. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be happening. We'd, yeah, it'd be, Bleh. you know, we'd be out. Out just his glory, just see. I'm doing it before you get your cameras out. I'm not doing it again. I gave you two shots. Yeah, of course it's on live on Facebook, but that's okay. Um, yeah. So it's if you understand, just his glory laid the ministers out, laid them out. It's time for us to walk in what God has for us and not be held back anymore. He's so so big. He's so big. And it's time for us to get hungry for who He really is and stop wasting time. Stop playing around with things of the world, things of our corrupted flesh, and to go after God with everything that we have. Amen? It's time. It's time to awake. It's time for an awakening. But we've got to become the bowl that God wants us to be, pour in the ingredients, and mix it like He tells us to mix it in order to wake up, which is what we talked about this morning. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Now I talked pretty, not not in complete fullness last week, but I talked a good bit about the baptism of fire last Sunday morning. If you didn't hear that, I highly recommend that you go and look at that. I really want to talk tonight about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. However... They do go hand-in-hand, hand, and you want both of them. And we're going to talk a little bit about both of them, but mostly about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and uh, tongues and different things like that. You know, there's a lot of confusion, and the devil, because the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of fire and, the, and speaking in tongues is such a powerful, powerful tool, uh, the devil fights it so hard. He fights it so hard. He tries to get people to think that there's demons in it. When, I mean, how blasphemous can you be calling the Holy Ghost a demon? Um, and, and, and we're even going to look. Then he says, okay, well, if that's not good enough, well, that stopped. That ceased. There's a cessation theology that says that power ceased. I'm going to give you something just right out of the gate tonight that shows like, well, duh. No, there's no way it stopped. No way. I'm going to show it to you. It's real simple, but... Um, I don't think I've ever heard it preached, um, but it's really simple. It's like right there in the Bible. It's like right in front of our face the whole time. And uh, anyway, it's, there's so many things. You know, even with tongues, they're like, oh, you spoke in tongues. There's supposed to be interpretation. Like, okay, I know that scripture. Do you know what interpretation is? What are the four different kinds of interpretation? Does my interpretation have to be announced? Like, it never said that. I don't have to say, Thus saith the Lord. Here cometh the interpretationist. Never has, no, I don't have to say that. That's not in there. But so many people, they like, if you don't follow their order, uh, they really don't know God's order, but they think they do. And you have to watch that because you can get yourself into a jam where you are quenching and grieving the Holy Ghost. And that's not where you want to be. You don't want to be there. You want Him to flow. We just want to yield to the Holy Ghost. He never said it had to be uh, announced. I'll, I'll just show you this just since I brought it up. Go to 1 Corinthians uh, 14 real quick. 1 Corinthians Chapter fourteen. Flow. Amen. That's Bill Winston's habit, not mine. Nice try though. (laughs) Bill Winston, when you say flow at the right time in faith, he says, Who said that? Come up here, and he gives him a (laughs) hundred dollars. And that's what exactly what people do. They're like they're, they're like just throwing it out there all the time. Flow, flow, hoping, hoping he thinks it's faith. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, what you see, I'm just going I'm not gonna take you time to teach this to you, but I'm gonna show it to you right here. Here's interpretation. He says, um, just in verse. Let's see. Okay, verse 5 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5 and 6. I got a new Bible, so my scriptures are in different places than they used to be. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues but even more that you would prophesy. Now some people will say that I wish that you, that in other words prophecy is greater than tongues and they only use that little clip out of there, just stop, just stop. You know, read the verse in front and after and read the whole context before you go jumping and it says greater is one that prophesies than one who speaks in tongues. Oh, they use that and then they stop right there but then it says unless, yeah. unless, Unless. So now what you can do, you know, if you want to, you can draw a line underneath unless. You don't have to, but definitely that's a key word. It says unless he interprets. In other words, prophecy is greater unless the tongue has an interpretation. If the tongue has an interpretation, it puts them on the same level because the tongue with interpretation equates to prophecy. Prophecy, A word of prophecy. But the key word there is unless. He interprets, listen, so that the church may receive edifying. So you'll be built up in the Holy Spirit. You'll be built up in your spirit, man. And uh, when you are praying in tongues. But if you interpret, then the whole body is built up in their understanding. And that's what it's saying. Now that key word there that I told you, unless, because that's going to link to verse 6. Go to verse 6. It says, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you? So he just said it's going to profit people if there's an interpretation. So he's saying, what will it profit you unless, all right, there's your connector, unless I speak to you either by way of... Now here's your four different types of interpretation. So the context is interpretation. Here's the four different types of interpretation. All right. He says, unless I speak to you either by revelation, so interpretation type, one, revelation, two, or of knowledge, three, or of prophecy, or of teaching. So you have four different types of interpretation right there. You have revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching. So you see the interpretation of tongues can come out as a revelation. It can be you can I can just say in the name of Jesus and I speak out just a word that I don't I might not even know that it's the interpretation, but you get revelation off of it. That's the interpretation. Okay, So it brings about a revelation. Like right now, I could have prayed earlier in tongues even before the service and the interpretation could be the revelation of the four types of tongues or four types of interpretation. This literally could be an interpretation, right? As I'm teaching you and you're getting revelation of those four types. Now the other one is uh, revelation or knowledge. In other words, you'll know. The, the interpretation could be knowledge. I could have, I could come up and I could pray for somebody and all, all of a sudden could have a word of knowledge about them. Something that I should not know by natural means, but all of a sudden I know it by the Spirit. That could be the interpretation. Or you could have a knowing. You see, and that interpretation doesn't just have to happen through me. See, I could, just like we had the, I don't know when you got that word that you got, Mom, huh? during praise and worship. So we could have come out here and prayed in the Holy Ghost. I know Barrett was singing in the Holy Ghost. There's the tongue. And then the interpretation could be the word of knowledge that she had about an arm. Now did we have to announce it? No. Is there a certain timeline for it? That's not listed either. And today with the digital world, it could be somebody that's watching on there and we don't find out for years. But it actually happened. See, we're trying to restrict it a lot of times instead of letting the flow of the Holy Ghost go. All right. And then the next way is prophecy. So we'll prophesy what's going to happen. Prophesy, that can be the interpretation. And this one is one I really like is teaching. So in other words, I can pray in tongues before a service. And then I don't have to announce the interpretation. At what point in the Bible does it say that that interpretation has to happen as soon as I say it? It doesn't say that. So people put a lot of order on there that's not actually in there. It could come much later you know, in the message, and then I could be teaching something. I'm actually preaching by the Holy Spirit, and it's actually interpretation to a tongue that took place earlier in the service. So what we need to do is just relax. (laughs) Relax. We need to just rest in God and relax because he knows how to work all of this. One time I was um, praying in tongues, and and many of you've heard me tell this story but I was praying in tongues before the service and a particular phrase struck me I was like I know that phrase and it was in the in the story about Jesus on the cross and he goes lama 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 uh, subactena and and in that and I had prayed that I was like hey that's what I prayed ahead of time. And I realized I was praying in tongues. The teaching that the pastor was actually letting uh, letting go of that I was praying the service out before the service. Now, I didn't know that till that happened. I thought it was really cool that the Lord showed it to me. But a lot of times we don't we need to just relax in it and and don't put stuff in there that's not in there. Right? It's so important for us to do that. Amen. So in tongues, this the devil constantly is trying to. Uh, get things muddled up, get them muddied up, and he's trying to just get them confused. Why? Because he wants people afraid to step out into something. He wants people afraid to yield to the Holy Ghost. And so he deceives them into thinking like this way. This is not the way of God. If we learn to relax and rest in him, we'll just walk it straight out. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Verse 16. Luke 3:16 I want everybody in here tonight before we leave to be filled fresh with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And And I say everybody because I could say I want everybody in here that wants to. But my heart's desire is even if you don't want to now, you'll want to by the end of the service. I want everybody in here to be filled fresh with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Why? Because this is what will empower you to awaken. This is what will empower you to awaken others. And it's time to wake up. We've seen it all throughout this series that we've been preaching on Sunday morning. It's time for an awakening. John the Baptist prophesies about Jesus and he says in verse 16, He says, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. Now, we talked about it last week. The Lord, He doesn't just throw words around. And so when He says and fire, He literally means and fire. And it's a baptism and fire he wants there's two there of the Holy Ghost and fire and just to recap when you go over to Acts chapter 2 and they're baptized in the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit says and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and that's it there's a period at the end of the sentence so it wasn't the baptism of fire there was fire present In the flame that looked like it, it looked like what was a flame that lit upon them, but they weren't baptized in that flame and they were just touched with it. They were touched with that flame. Uh, I think you could make a case for uh, that that flame was actually the working of the ministers of fire, the angels of the Lord, to help bring about what they were about to go and help bring in the lost as Peter preached and 3,000 people came to the Lord. They were about to go, to go to work helping, doing what they're called to do, right? And so I think there's a case for that. But they weren't baptized with fire, and it specifically says they were baptized with one thing. If they had been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, then God would have said, Holy Ghost, they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, but it didn't say that. But they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, Now this is really interesting because then Peter goes on to preach and he starts quoting Joel. Let's go to Joel. I know you all know where that is directly. And your Bible will fall open right there. Go to Matthew and go about 11 books left. It just fell open to it. That's the favor of God. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. I still hear pages. (laughs) Joel is prophesying. He's prophesying. Something's going to happen. What's going to happen? What Joel's about to tell us. I hear less pages. I think I'll move on. It will come about about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, just a quick question, because I like meddling with your doctrines. Um, (laughs) If you prophesy, are you speaking by God? Is it a godly word? Is it just for yourself? It's to other people, right? Prophecy is to other people. Is that right? So your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So can the daughters be ministers? Oh yeah, check that out. (laughs) Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In those days. Now, let's go over to Acts or excuse me, go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. You see how much freedom happens when you can move and flow in the Holy Spirit? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. Freedom. Amen. Uh, Going back to praying in tongues, it says this, it's, it says I'd rather you speak uh, five words in a known language than 10,000, is back in 1 Corinthians 14, than 10,000 in unknown language, right? He said I'd rather you speak five words in a known language than 10,000 in an unknown, and the basis is I want to communicate the things of God to the people. This is what Paul's saying by the Holy Spirit is preached that. But then he says this, he goes on that later on in the chapter and he, and he says this. He says, If I don't speak in a known language, how will two things, the unbelievers and the unlearned, understand and know when to say amen? How will the unbelievers and the unlearned? Well, I think in this place you don't have unbelievers. Yeah. Now you could have unlearned in the things of God. But here's the question. If you're unlearned, can't there also be a learned? In other words, the people that know when to say amen because they've learned to flow yeah. with the Holy Ghost. And here's the other question. If they can be learned, how can they become learned? How are, the, how are you going to learn to flow in the Holy Ghost if it doesn't ever happen? So a lot of people are sitting there like, well, that's got to have, no, when I get into a group and I know it's a special group and I know that it's not got a lot of unbelievers in it, it's not got a lot of unlearned, it's got people that are wanting to grow, I can flow in the Holy Ghost and I don't have to have that interpretation all the time because you'll learn when to say amen. Here's another thing over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. It says that there's a tongue that's called groanings that are too deep for words. How are you gonna interpret that? How are you gonna interpret that? It's too deep for words. Good luck. The Holy Ghost said it's too deep for words. So see, these are challenging some of the, the you know, spiritual things like that. But you gotta this is why we need to study the word. We need to get into it. God wants us to grow up and be learned so that the flow of the Holy Ghost, remember this morning we talked about being sensitive to the Spirit. Sensitive to the Spirit. That means when we know, okay, pray now. Okay, worship. Okay, now preach. All right, buddy, do you give in. And and we're learning how to flow and yield to the Holy Ghost. And it's a beautiful symphony that God is creating his masterpiece. And all of a sudden we're in the right place at just the right time. And we're just watching the glory of God pour out and healings and miracles happen just like that. But it's the flow and the yielding of God. We've got to learn that. We're supposed, here's the other thing. If there's an unlearned, and that means there's also a learned, don't we want to be the learned? That means we need to grow in some spiritual things, which is why two chapters before that he said this in in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He said, now concerning spirituals, it's not just gifts. Gifts was added to give context. Concerning spirituals or concerning spiritual things, I would not have you ignorant. Why? Because I want you learned. I want you learned. I want you learned. But the truth is, who knows this stuff in America? Not too many and that's why the power's not flowing. And that's why when you tell people, I talked to somebody the other day, I said something, something, something about church, and I could tell, I could tell, they weren't no more interested in church than anybody else. They, they could care less. Why? Because in their mind, the stereotypical church was coming in at singing a song, hearing something, and being bored, and nothing happens which has also been a thing that's challenged me during this lockdown when I hear people saying, you know, we hadn't missed church at all. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what do you mean you hadn't missed? Nothing happens there? Really? We have stuff happen all the time. I, I, I would miss it. If you don't miss it, why are you going? Find one that you'll miss. A church alive is worth the drive. Thank y'all for driving tonight. How long did y'all drive? Two hours? Hour and 15 minutes? Are you as holy as them? I don't (laughs) know. You're just closer. You got all these guys beat, so you're doing good. (laughs) All right. So now look at this. He says, in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Pour out my spirit on all mankind. Now we go to John chapter 20. And you see that Jesus has now died and resurrected, and you got him again in the upper room, but it's the first upper room, not the one in Acts chapter two. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and uh, he appears. <laughs> there, the door's shut, but Jesus suddenly is there you know. And one of the first things he says is, "Fear not." so you got to know what was going on. I mean, it's like like... Jesus, you know, and it wasn't, it was, it was not because they saw Jesus, it was because they saw something, you know, Jesus, her gracious. And uh, they were fearing, they were fearing. And he says, fear not, <laughs> fear not. Like, that doesn't normally happen, but it's normal for Jesus. It's normal for God. It wasn't long after this, Philip was talking to the eunuch. All of a sudden, translated, and he's somewhere else, miles and miles away. When they were with Jesus within the storm, peace be still. And it says, and immediately, they were at the other side. Translation. They were translated from one place. This is normal for God. How come we haven't seen it? I want to see it. I'm going to see it soon. It's going to be soon. I just want to. I'm coveting the best gifts. I want to. I want to see it. Why? it's normal for God. Now, I'm not going to force myself. You know, I'm not going to try and you know, step into something that he hadn't told me to do, but this is, this is kind of normal stuff. How come this hasn't been seen as much? You mean it was just relegated to Acts chapter 1? No, but they actually were walking in some things, and we need to walk in some things. We need to believe God and and move up to new levels, which is why we need the fullness of the Holy Ghost and the fullness of His fire and to be baptized in these things. So he steps into the room. He breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they get born again. The first people that are born again on the earth. They get born again. He's the firstborn. They're the first after Jesus. Oh, what a beautiful moment. Can you imagine in that moment, just like when you were born again, but nobody had ever felt it before? All the sin, gone like a vapor. All the righteousness of God, completely whole completely whole just in a moment like that oh glory what a great moment and they're born again how many people think that this is when they got filled with the holy spirit but it it doesn't say that it says that they he says that they received the holy ghost they had the holy spirit within but they didn't they weren't overflowing to be baptized in the holy ghost means to be overwhelmed with the Holy Ghost to be completely covered now inside and out completely covered with the Holy Ghost and fire is a good representation of this is somebody who's in the desert and dying of thirst and they need life-giving water and you give them a cup of water and they can live but they're not fully supplied yet they're not walking in the fullness that they would be if they had an oasis with an oasis it could keep going back and keep it fresh and actually get hydrated and they could cool off in the middle of the day and they'd be overflowing, overwhelmed with that life-giving water. This is what baptized in the Holy Ghost is. And then Jesus goes on to say, he says, wait in Jerusalem. Wait until you receive the promise. All right, so let's look at this. Let's go uh, in Acts 20 where he says, or John 20 where he just said that. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. He says, verse 1, The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven... After he had had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So he had been risen from the dead for about 40 days. We know that Pentecost happens on day 50. But for on day 40, he does this. Gathers them together, verse 4. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait for the promise. He'd already given them the Holy Ghost to save them. Now he's given the Holy Ghost to baptize them. These are the same people he's talking to that he already gave the Holy Spirit to. But it wasn't the baptism. And he says, look, don't go anywhere. Wait in Jerusalem. Verse 6, so when they come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power. Say it with me. Say power. power. You will receive power. power. And I'll turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to receive power. And turn to the other neighbor and say, you're going to receive power. power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we need to have an action happen. There needs to be... An action of the Holy Spirit coming upon you so you can receive this power. And this power is for what? You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So this power will give you the power of manifesting the things of God and those things will help you be the witness that you need to be. Now this power is what's called dunamis power and that's where we get the word dynamism. Dynamite, it is dynamic. So you want to talk about a dynamic day, and you didn't know I was preaching this. It's a dynamic power. A dynamic power. Dynamite. (laughs) Dynamite. (laughs) A few people. A few people. I'm aging myself. Dynamite. And after, the, listen to this, this is neat. After, verse 9, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I bet that was interesting to watch. Right. <laughs> G- Jesus? You know, in the room it's like, Jesus! And this one's like, Jesus? <laughs> Then angels show up, alien angel. That's a video, you have to watch it, that's a personal. We watch that video every year for a long time. I don't think we've watched it the last couple of years. It's funny. So he says, look, you've already received the Holy Spirit, but you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he said, and when you do, what will be the marker that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit? You'll be witnesses. So many people aren't walking, even though they've been baptized in the Holy Ghost at some point. They're not walking continuously in the baptism and constantly being filled. Why? Because you'd be able to tell. They'd be witnesses. They'd be witnesses. But we've forgotten pieces of that. We need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. It's funny when you get touched. By the Holy Ghost and baptize in the Holy Ghost you want to tell people about it and you want to live you know because if I go and I live my life and I'm just living in sin and everything how good of a witness am I going to be no so his power is not just to bring about healing and deliverance and and heal things his power also is to live life to the full till it overflows to live a holy life He'll empower you. You start praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll start, the Word says, praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. You start to build yourself. It starts to strengthen your spiritual uh, stance. It starts to give you support and a foundation, praying in the Holy Ghost, which is why the devil doesn't want people praying in the Holy Ghost. They don't want... He does not want people praying in the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and filled with fire because if they do that, they're going to start telling people about Jesus. They're going to start living and problems are going to start melting away. And he really wants you to have problems. I really don't care and I really dislike him, so take it and stuff it, devil. I'm going to get filled. But I'm looking for that kind of people that just says, you know what? The devil's God's enemy. He's my enemy. And if he don't want me to have something, by God, I'm going to do it. What a bully. Bully the bully. Go on down to verse 14. And it says this. Now these all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer along yeah. with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Think about that. Look at this lady. Yeah. The mother of Jesus received the prophecy mm-hmm. in faith, birthed him, mm-hmm. raised him. You know, if anybody could have been familiar with Jesus, it would be the one that changed his diaper. If anyone could have not received from him in a logical thinking, it could have been his mom. You need to listen to this, mom, since you're here, since I'm preaching. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody could have been familiar, you know, I'm sure she's seen parts of Brian y'all don't ever need to see. If anybody could have been familiar, but yeah, look, she's here tonight receiving, receiving from her son. I'm not saying she's Mary, but (laughs) I'm glad you left. You let everybody off the hook. they were like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm not saying that she is Mary. But what I'm saying is, look at this lady. Look at this lady. Watched him die. On the cross, and give his life. Watch and watch this. His mom, at one point, his mom comes looking for him, yeah. and he comes. And Jesus says, "Who's my mother and brothers?" It's these right here. In other words, she had to release Jesus. She had to release him to fulfill what God wanted to do in him. In other words, she said. He's not mine anymore. He's the Lord's. What a woman. What a mother. And then, not only that, now he's died. And he's resurrected. What would most people be doing? They'd be thinking about themselves. They'd be like, I'm an old lady. My son's passed, you know, and everything. Now I'm going to go and I'm just going to chill at the house. No, she's praying. She's right here in the room with the disciples she was, listen, the mother of Jesus, Mary, was one of the first people to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sitting there praying. It what a blessing. Yeah. Mom, Mom was right there. Yeah. Can you think about Jesus? Mom was right there. Hey, Holy Ghost, fill her up to. <laughs> fill her up too. Right there, receiving the Holy Spirit. What a great lady. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons was there together. What were they doing? Continually devoting themselves to prayer. We got to pray. See, a lot of people would have problem with that first 30 minutes after worship where we just prayed and worshiped for 30 minutes because they're not used to it. What were they doing? Continually. Continually. Say it with me. Continually. To what? To To prayer. prayer. Continually. Devoting themselves. You'll see that the apostles were continually devoting themselves to the word, worship, prayer, and fellowship. Constant things. Word, worship, prayer, fellowship. It comes up all over in Acts. So here's this 120 devoting themselves. Think about that word, devoting. That means you've got to move other stuff out of the way to give yourself to that, yeah. it's devoted. Amen. I got to move other, if I got to move other stuff to go to prayer, I'm, let me move other stuff. Amen. By the way, prayer in the morning is at 6 a.m. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you got to move other stuff, they're devoting themselves to prayer, devoting themselves. Now, Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, say it with me, suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them, there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice it doesn't say in fire here. It just says they were filled with what? With the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now I want you to see something here. Uh, this is definitely, they had no teaching about tongues because tongues had never been until this verse. So there was nothing holding them back. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost fills them. Boom, boosh. And what's the first thing? What's the first symptom of being filled with the Holy Ghost? Shanda. <laughs> they started praying in tongues. They started praying in tongues. And so you see that throughout Acts people were praying in tongues still they got filled up as soon as they got filled up with the holy ghost now today we've had so much teaching against that in the world even people that haven't gone to church have heard that tongues are of the devil you know even if they haven't grown up in church there's so much teaching what that does is it forms a stronghold of the mind and so when the holy ghost fills them those tongues start to rise up and then their brain go, kicks in and see a shield of faith is not just, it's not just faith in, in good things. A shield of faith, there's a belief system that protects us. And if something crosses what we believe, that shield of faith is designed to pop up. The, the thing is, the only thing that the shield of faith works on is when the word is backing it. So I can have a shield, and that's what happens is when people have been told that tongues are bad, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, tongues comes up to them, their brain puts the clamps on it, and, and it goes, oop, nope. And, and it, many times they'll think, that's just me making it up. And what they don't understand is the two different inputs to the brain or to the soulish man. Uh, <clears throat> to the soulish man, you see it in Romans chapter 7. You have one input from the spirit of man and one input from the flesh of man. And so they're so used to to thinking and having the input from the flesh, they don't realize there's a secondary input from the spirit. And so when the the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit, it shows us in Romans 8, and it says, the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit that we are the children of God. It shows the flow of how God communicates with us. The Holy Spirit to our spirit. And then we have the input into our soul where we have to make that decision. And so when the Holy Spirit gives us the utterance and the unction of tongues, that syllable will come in, sutala, sutala comes in from the Holy Ghost. Then it comes up to my brain and I have to decide whether or not to speak it out. Well, we're so used to having just the input from the flesh, we're so used to that that when it comes in from the Holy Ghost... All of a sudden we go, oh, my brain is just making that up. Yeah. But it's not. It's actually coming from your spirit. Right. Because there's the flesh input and there's the spirit input. But they're not used to having those two different things. And so they don't recognize it. They just think, oh, I've got to put the clamps on it. And so they'll put the clamps on it. And then you'll have people that actually have gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. But they'll go a long time and not pray in tongues until they get enough teaching to break that clamp. To break that vice that's, that's held them down. And so a lot of times if we'll just talk to people, I'll show them some different scriptures on praying in tongues. That clamp will break right there. And so we just gotta we got to renew our mind and break any strongholds. And then all of a sudden that freedom will just flow and it's awesome. So here you see that they all prayed in tongues and then... When the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Now they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born? Now there were about 16 different people groups that were there that day. So at the very least, at the least, God took those heavenly tongues and he calls them, those people, 16 people groups, to hear in their own language. To hear in their own language. He says in verse 11, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. When you pray in tongues, it's always edifying God, building ourselves up, building God up. It's always moving forward and positive. And many times these tongues, they will release that power. They will release those great testimonies of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, but others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine." Now let me ask you something. Was this a genuine move of God? Was this a genuine move of the Holy Spirit? Oh, you better believe it. It was a genuine move of God. And yet, even in a genuine move of God, there were mockers. You're going to have mockers even when you move in God's thing. I've seen people run away like, well, why are people making fun of me? Because, Because I thought I was doing God. Well, you can be doing God's things. You'll still have mockers. In this most precious and most genuine move of God, there were still mockers. So don't be afraid of mockers. Don't be afraid of critics. Just make sure that the standard that you live by is that word. Make sure that's the standard. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. These men are not drunk. But here's the other thing. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, what did it look like? It looked like they were drunk. It looked like they were drunk. Not too long ago, we had a great day here at church. We went out to the restaurant. Man, uh, we were having a good time. People were walking by the room at the restaurant like this. Yeah, I mean, they were like, man, what is wrong with those people? And I was like, we're not drunk as they suppose. But we were loud, then all of a sudden they picked up Buddy and tried to throw him through the roof. It was, I mean, it was amazing. It was, and everybody was laughing and cheering, and the restaurant came over, they were like, shut the doors. That's, that's a real, that, yeah, true story, just a couple of months ago. They're not drunk, as you suppose. It's the joy of the Lord. Let me tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, you can look drunk to the world. That's why he had to tell them that. And so a lot of times, you know, you see somebody walking around. You know, just a while ago, I was walking around, and I'm I'm like, Whoo, gracious!" Because I was I was drunk in the spirit, and I've found that it sometimes it it waxes and wanes, it comes and goes, and and there's a flow to it. But I was I was like, "Wow, man, the Holy Ghost was just moving on me." But then you got somebody who's drunk in the Holy Ghost, and they're just like, "You know." Now you missed your chance again. And all of a sudden they're, they're, they're rolling around on the ground and laughing and losing eyelashes and everything. All of a sudden, <laughs> they're, I mean, they're, they're just drunk in the Holy Ghost like you were that day, drunk. You're not the only one that was drunk that day. It looks like that sometimes. But the church is so unaccustomed to the things of God they don't even know what to think about it today. We have, been, we have been unlearned. We need to be learned in the spiritual things of God. It's time for us to get very learned about the things of God. Watch this. But Peter taking his stand, he said, They're not drunk as you suppose, verse 15, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel who prophesied. And it shall be in the last days, God says. Now, in the King James it says, this is that. This is that. This is that. This is the power. This is the Holy Ghost. This is that. Now watch. And then he quotes Joel. And it shall be in the last days that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Now, we're talking about cessation. Let me ask you a question. Are you all mankind? That's correct, right? So isn't he still pouring out his spirit just like this? Then how has it ceased? It It hasn't. If this is that, which Peter said by the Holy Ghost, this is that, and it'll be, this this, that will be poured out on all mankind, and we're mankind, God still has to pour it out on us. He's still got to pour out the Holy Ghost and baptize us in the Holy Ghost. He's still got to pour out the anointing to empower us to be witnesses. He's still got to pour out all of this power and authority to be who we're called to be on all flesh. He's held by His Word. He's held, it hasn't ceased. Because it has not all mankind has been poured out. It's poured out for all flesh. So any person born in this world has an availability of a baptism of the Holy Ghost available to them. He's got it available for them. Yeah. He says, Your sons and your daughters prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit and they shall prophesy. I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves also know. He goes on to preach the sermon and in verse 38 he says, Peter said to them, repent, in other words change your ways and change your thinking and go a different direction in action and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So you can see this gift of the Holy Spirit was enticing to people. See, we've turned it today into a gift that we want to keep from people. Like, are y'all filled with spirit? Um, we, We have the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, we we have the Holy Spirit. Are you filled? Like, do you see manifestations? What do you mean by manifestations? And it's like we want to hold, you know, right. put Holy Spirit in the corner.
1: Yeah, nobody puts Holy Spirit.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. Nobody puts Holy Spirit in the corner. He's coming out. He's coming out the corner. You're not gonna. It's not. And, and see, here's the thing. If you try and keep him there. He'd just come out through somebody else who wants him. He'll find somebody else who wants to bring him out. Wants to bring the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I'll walk with you. I'll have your power. And He's saying it like it's enticing. He's saying, look, you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit too. You see, the Holy Spirit is like also healing and miracles is like a dinner bell. But so is the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, when he talks about tongues, he says, look, people will be amazed yeah. when you have tongues and interpretation that prophesy stuff that you couldn't have known. Yeah. See, and we've tried to hide it, and this is the very anointing that Jesus said, I'll build my church with. Yeah. The anointing, the power of God. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting to them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Listen to this. What happened when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came? What happened when a people yielded themselves, devoted themselves to prayer? What happened? Verse 41, then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added 3,000 souls. One day. That church went from 120 to 3,000, just like that. It's an awakening. It's an awakening. You go on into the next couple of chapters and just like a few days later, 5,000 came in. In one day, we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need to wake up. We need... Watch this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Remember what I was saying earlier? Watch this. This is an awakening. Remember, a revival can bring life back in, but an awakening changes culture. Tell me if culture is about to be changed here. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. You know, the Holy Ghost done moved. People started selling stuff just to help other, other people get the gospel. You know the Holy Spirit is in motion. You know God's here. People are just giving. They're saying, oh, you need something? I'll take care of that. And you know, now, we're not talking about socialism. Socialism forces you to give what you worked for. This is not a fear of what the government might do. This is a love of God. It's not socialism. This is, this is people saying, Lord, because I love you, I want to give to you. It's an awakening that's changed culture. Right. Watch this. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple. We talked about this morning, intentional unity. They continue with one mind and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's an awakening. Yeah. Favor with all the people. Favor with all the people. Can you imagine having favor like that with all the people? Ephesians 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But the command, say it with me, God's command, God's command. To, me. to me, be filled, be filled. Be filled. With,
1: the
0: with the Spirit. And this word means be filled and be filled and be filled and be filled. It's an ongoing feeling. Every day we all wake up and say, Lord, fill me today with your Holy Ghost. And then we start praying in tongues and it'll stir up that gift. Thank you, Lord. Be filled. It's a command. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, do you have the right to turn down a command? It's a command. We need to be filled. It's a command. It's a command. We need to be filled. And I want you to see this. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost... Anybody can pray in tongues. But here's what also is a symptom of being filled. Verse 19. Speaking to one another. When you're filled with the Spirit, notice there's a comma at the end of verse 18 that says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. One of the first things that will happen is, you'll just have a melody in your heart to the Lord, and it'll start coming out. Buddy just spent a week with me while we were in Texas, and I think he can tell you that there was multiple times where I'm just walking down, and I'm just singing in the Spirit. It's just coming out. Why? Because you stay filled with the Holy Ghost. It's gotten, you're overflowing. It's an overflow. Overflow of the love of God. Did you recognize that and see that? Another thing is you're always giving thanks. When I really started walking with the Lord and I was just staying filled with, with the Holy Spirit all the time, I found myself constantly thanking God. Like I actually felt bad for it. I'm like, all I ever do is just thank you. I need to be praying something else. But it was, it's an overflow of the Holy Ghost. I found this verse later and forgave myself. But at first, I was like, golly, I feel like all I." But I just wanted to thank him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. You're so great. Thank you. Thank you for this phone. Thank you for this Bible. Thank you for this seat. Thank you for this pen. Thank you, Lord, for clothes. Thank you for shoes. Thank you. Thank you for this weather. Thank you, Lord, for AC. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to thank them all the time. It's a, it's a product and a symptom of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even to the Father. And here's another one. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You can tell people ain't filled with the Holy Ghost. Because who's subject to other people? Who's yielding to other people? Oh, you, you want to talk? Okay, sure. Oh, you did something against me? Well, you know, oh, I'll, I'll forgive you. Let's move forward. Yeah. We'll be subject. That's a, it's a product of being filled. It's part of the reason why they had favor with all people. Right. They're walking in this. It's the overflow. It's the overflow. He commands us, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, how many people want to constantly stay filled? With the Holy Ghost. How many people want to walk in the fullness and the power and to be His witness and to be full and filled with the power and be His witness. To be full and be filled with the power and be His witness. I want to pray for everybody that wants prayer tonight. But I believe that everybody in here can walk out of this place filled with the Holy Ghost and with power the key to being filled with the Holy Ghost is number one, you've got to be a Christian. And then you just ask the Lord for it. In Luke chapter 11, it just says, he says, look, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. He said a son or a daughter wouldn't ask for a fish and you, you give them a uh, scorpion or ask, ask for something and you give them a snake. He wouldn't let it be, be changed. But we need to say, Lord, you're my Lord. You're the Savior of my life. You have communion there in front of you. I want you just to, you can prepare that, but I want you also, you know, just like you're preparing this cup to drink it and preparing to eat this wafer, I want you also, as you're doing that, prepare your heart. You know, a lot of people want Jesus as Savior. Lord, save me from my stuff but they don't want to make him Lord and you'll notice the one that got turned away was not the one who received him as Savior but the one who didn't receive him as Lord you say Lord, Lord and he says depart from me I never knew you you don't do what I say see when he's your Lord he's got your heart he's the director of your life in other words you just follow his lead and you say Lord I'll do what you want me to do you got to be born again to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's really the only requirement is just that because he's poured Him out for all flesh. It's, but we just receive him by faith. But in order to be born again, we've got to check our heart. And, and then he tells us any time that we take communion, the body and the blood, we remember the price that was paid. And esteem it, which means that we don't just esteem, oh God, you did such a great thing. Jesus, you did such a great thing. Esteeming also means that because you did a great thing, you deserve from that seed sown of your life to reap a life. And I esteem that from this day forward, I will live like you want me to live. Holy, separated, set apart. You're my Lord. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. If you told me like you commanded me to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. There were things that the disciples saw Jesus do that really challenged their flesh. Like not freak out in the middle of a demonic storm on a boat. Like fashioning a whip to drive out money changers. Like go to the cross when they thought he was going to take over. But yet they learned, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. You have the words of life. No matter what, no matter what I think, Jesus, you are the Lord. And he sowed his body that had no sin so that we could live without sin. That he would remove it and then we'd be empowered to go forward. He shed his blood to wipe out the record of sin once and for all. To set us free. Completely free. As we take this, let's remember the price that he paid. The blood, the sweat, the tears the beating, the stripes, the death, the crown of thorns so that you can be crowned with favor and ease. He was crowned with thorns and toil so that you could be crowned with ease and favor. Lord, we see all of those things today, and we esteem them. I just ask you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, tonight I renew it. You're the Lord of my life. You call the shots and I'll be obedient. I believe that you died for me, that you took my sins with you, on you, on the cross cross. and to the grave grave. and I believe believe that God raised you back to life life. and when he raised you up you you did not leave me in the place of death but you raised me with you you you. and according to your word seated me in heavenly places with Jesus. Jesus Lord tonight As we take communion, communion. I remember remember the price price. of the body and the blood. The humility humility. to drop godliness godliness. and put on mankind. mankind. The humility Humility. to not go into a palace, palace. but go go to the lowest of the low in a stable. And from that place, place, lift up every person. person. And I was one of those people. I I give you me. me. And I remember and I I esteem esteem the body and the blood. blood. I ask for your forgiveness, your forgiveness. your your mercy, your grace, Your salvation power. And Jesus, I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Ghost. And I ask you to baptize me with fire in Jesus' name. When you feel proper and your heart set, you may take the body and the blood. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. So freight kana Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. So kanadiata la ko mosbo so be. So franta Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that everyone in here has gotten an appreciation for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And let's be obedient. I know that many of you have been filled with the Holy Ghost again before, but let's be obedient to constantly be being filled, to not sit there and not make it fresh all the time. It's an ongoing, be being filled. One of the things that you can do on your own, you don't need me necessarily to get you filled and refilled, but there is an impartation and there is a baptism of fire and you don't need me to receive and walk in those. Literally every day you can just start praying in the Holy Ghost and the Bible says you start stirring up the gift of the gift that you received with the laying on of hands. So, laying on of hands is a part of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But once you're filled, you just stir up the gift. I remember when I was coming back to the Lord as an adult, I'd been filled with the Holy Ghost when I was a kid, around age nine or so. Do you remember exactly? I don't remember. I know I was seven when I got born again. But somewhere around eight or nine, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. It might have been even seven i just don't remember exactly but as a kid i was praying in tongues and praying out the things of god and then you know had a period of time where i wasn't really going after them for about 10 years but as an adult i was coming back to them and i got i got a hunger to be filled again and then the lord reminded me of the the infilling of the holy ghost and i was sitting in a a bookstore a christian bookstore and uh I said, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost again. He I said, I want to pray in, I said, I want to pray in tongues again. And the Lord said, Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> he said, start praying in tongues. And you'll stir up the gift. I hadn't thought about that verse in a long time at that point. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit brought it to me. Stir up the gift that's within you by the laying on of hands. How do you stir up the gift? You start praying in tongues. Breathe onto those coals. So I just start, man, it was the most awkward praying in tongues you've ever heard. It was rough because it had been a long time. I just started praying in tongues. I I can't even fake being that bad today. But I'll just, sa, ta, whatever I said. I don't remember what those words were. As soon as I started praying, I felt it. <sighs> Fresh filling of the Holy Ghost right there in the bookstore. All of a sudden, the tongue started to flow uh, so much more free. Every believer can walk in that. And all of a sudden, you, strength, you take strength, like it strengthens you. And, and if you're ever facing temptations and addictions and things and things you got to say no to, just start praying in tongues. You'll build up your spirit, man, on the most holy faith. It'll be, come alive and be strong. It'll help you go right through that problem, right through that sin, right through that habit, right through that stronghold. Say the kufra na de kelawsum ban ya takara safa seveekunda masbolukni just start praying right now